So I finished the Summer I Turned Pretty series. I started... Wrapped up. I started... I finished the first book and I laid the second book out so that I can read it. I don't think I'll get it done before the second season comes out. But, um, we'll see. It's a quick read. Oh yeah, it was it was a very quick read. Um, I recommend reading the second book before watching either of the seasons. That's probably what I was going to plan. Well, in season two, it's a weekly thing. So, you, yeah. by the time you got finished, maybe it would have a few episodes up. I'm going to wait till all the episodes are up, because I don't want to wait. Yeah. It's week. Because it's the worst. You're a, bin- you're a binger. You like to wait till it all comes out mm-hmm. and then watch it all the way through. When I watched the first season, I watched it after all the episodes that came on. Although, it's gotten a lot more popular. And it's more prevalent on my For You page. So I'm really nervous that something's going to get spoiled. I mean, I've read the book series, so I guess, like, what can they possibly spoil? But, <laughs> yeah. They've changed it up a little bit already, I know. Because Cam's back in it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um. But I finished that. So I'm ready for season two. Um. I've been watching Nancy Drew. I was not happy with this week's episode. <laughs> it involved a lot of spiders. Basically. She got sucked into what is called a ghost web. And then got she was reliving a past memory of this person um somebody handed her a spider egg and people used to eat spider eggs from a certain spider as a hallucinogenic situation this was back in the 70s and he handed her a spider egg well it burned her turns out it was a demonic spider and Basically, she's reliving what happened to that girl. And that girl, the spider got inside of her, like, had the egg. And then the eggs, like, burst open. And so all the spider babies crawled out of her. And that's what killed her. (laughs) And I was like, it's like halfway through the episode when that was explained. I was like, well, I'm just thrilled that this is going to happen now. Thank you. Y'all should see my face right well, now. I'm like, so then what? Nancy is reliving this, and I'm like, oh dear heavens. And so then they have to use a ghost, like a ghost sight thing, in order to see the spider. So Ew. anytime they're holding up the goggles, like George is holding up the goggles, and you see it scurry by, and I was like, nah, no. It was large. Um, so then no. they find it dead on the web. Well, then they finally get Nancy out, and they think she's all good to go. Well, they're sitting back at the claw, which is the diner, and she starts coughing up blood. And apparently, the egg sac is inside of her. Oh. So they had to cut it out, and when they got it out, it burst open, and a million babies came out of it, and I was screaming. Well, then they all, like, went up in smoke and formed one giant spider. Nope. 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 It was the worst. Nope. Nope. I did not enjoy it. I may skip that episode if I watch Nancy Drew. <laughs> well, you can't. It's pretty important. But it was good. It was just like, well, I don't like this at all. Like, uh, that's about as bad as the Supernatural episode in season one that was all about the bugs. Oof. 
No thanks. I I don't like bugs. I just don't like spiders. I can deal with bugs. Like if there's bugs in a movie, like I'm good. Like even Supernatural, I'm good. It gives me a panic attack that my situation is my worst fear is any situation where I can't get out. And that being where they couldn't get out. That's what stresses me out. Um, I'm good until it's spiders and then I'm I'm out. I'm done. So it was good. It was just very, very creepy. Meanwhile, Nancy's like crying on the table because they're having to cut her open to get the eggs back out. And she's crying because she's scared. And I'm like, Nancy, I'm also on the verge of tears. Like, there's a tear sliding down my cheek as we speak. It was the worst. Speaking of crying, um, <laughs> different occasion. I was upstairs at work. Um, because speaking now, Taylor's version dropped, mm-hmm. and I was upstairs crying my eyes out to back to December, <laughs> making cake boxes. You know, I just really want to go to a John Mayer concert, and I know she said not to, but I just really want to go over there and scream, "Dear John, bruh, I'll hold up a sign that says she was 19. Anybody who's any who knows." If you know, you know. Uh, but yeah. Um. So I finally watched the I Can See You music video. Did you see my Snapchat video? I did. Um. <laughs> I finally watched it. Cassidy had told me to watch the main music video like as a refresh because that's yeah I've obviously seen it. But honestly, I watched it and then I watched the actual music video and I was like. I didn't even need the refresh. Like, Taylor Swift is so ingrained in my brain that I would have known every single one of those main references, including the Joey being back in it and Presley being back in it, and then the dress. But I went... So, when Taylor Lautner popped in, I was like, you know, I bet the crowd reactions for that were feral. They were. I went back, and I found where she premiered it, and she posted a day and said that the crowd reactions were her favorite part. So everyone screams for Presley, everyone screams for Joey, and literally Taylor pops on the screen, Taylor Lautner, and everybody screamed for like a solid two minutes. I was like, Farrell, they're they're losing their minds. Because he's the safe one. (laughs) Well, everybody loves Taylor Lautner. She has a lot of safe ones. That's Mm -hmm. why everyone's like more convinced now than ever that 1989 will be style featuring Harry Styles. Because, I will pass away if that happens. Well, because Taylor came up on stage with her, too, which was cool, and Joey and Presley. But, um, him and Tom Hilston and Harry Styles were okay with. I still think we're okay with Joe. I don't think Joe, that I can think off the top of my head, he got Mr. Perfectly Fine. I don't think he was the best, but he wasn't. The worst. He wasn't Jake Gyllenhaal, and he wasn't John Mayer. <laughs> Poor Joe. Joe's next. Bless it. But, um, I just, it was wild. It was a good music video. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. Everyone kind of, I've been seeing a lot of edits of, like, when she runs out of the building and when she gets to the van and then she turns around and looks. People have been putting, like, flashbacks to the Speak Now tour. And I'm like, I know she's glad to have all these, like, under her belt again and own all of them, but you know she has a sense of, like, she's really going to miss that era. Because, I mean, like, she's re-recorded it, so it kind of almost makes it as if 
the original Speak Now era never happened. And so it is very, like, I, I cried throughout the album, too, but mostly because I was reliving my 10-year-old self. Yes. So, I was 10 when Speak Now came out, and Long Live reminds me of a friend that passed. And so to hear it in, like, grown-up Taylor voice vocals, I was a, I was a bit of a wreck. Because it was just, Speak Now, for me... So, I grew up listening to Taylor Swift. I was raised by Taylor Swift. Like, I, hearing new vocals on that track was something else. Like, it made me feel like, God, I'm getting old. Like, you just don't think about it. Because, like, whenever I listen to the old album, it just puts you back, right back in that age. And then, so to listen to it now, you're like, oh, this makes me sad. Because you realize how much older she's gotten because her vocals have gotten better. Oh, yeah. And you just hear how mature she sounds now, and you're just like, oh. It's crazy going back. Makes me sad. You listen to the original Speak Now, and she just sounds so young. Because she wrote the, she wrote and recorded it when she was like 18 through 20, and going in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And you can just hear her voice. And then you go back and listen to Taylor's version. It's wild. Well, she was still, that was still country, too. That was mm-hmm. country Taylor. Debut is going to wreck me when that gets re-recorded. That's going to run a really screw me up because that's the very first one man I remember I used to listen to our song and teardrops on my guitar on repeat so that one's really gonna hurt (laughs) I don't know fearless got me too but not as bad I guess speaking out really got me because that's the one I've listened to the most anyways maybe we should move on to our actual (laughs) topic we haven't even introed ourselves a lot of this is probably gonna get edited out um Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Family Fiction with Hallie and Carmen. And today, we are going to be talking about a different genre. So we actually have talked about a different genre before, and we talked about the fantasy genre. But this episode, we're going to be talking about the dystopian genre. My favorite genre. Yes. But before we get into that, let us discuss our currently reading. So, Carmen, what are you currently reading? (laughs) Um, I love your answer. <laughs> my book, I'm not even joking. Anytime I pick it up to read, I'm physically nervous. I don't know why, but like I get nervous thinking about reading it. I'm reading Haunting Adeline by H.G. Carlton, and I'm so on edge at the moment. I'm only three chapters in, and it's freaking me out, man. I'm so scared. I'm so nervous. Like, it's worse than Verity. I'm just, like, on edge. Well, it's like what Abby told you when you picked it up. You, she she said, literally said, I bid thee farewell. Yeah, she, I've not read it. I don't think I ever will. She's uh, read both of them. She's read both of them, and she's told me some of the stuff in book one, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's rough. Oh, I, well. <laughs> I'm expecting it to be quite rough, but I'm excited, but I'm so nervous. <laughs> it makes me so nervous. Um... Well, my currently reading is Verity by Colleen Hoover. We're um, both on the creepy zone. For real. Um, yeah, it's been... Don't th- read it before bed. I've learned that with this one because I dreamt about it one night. Um, I started it Sunday, I believe. I started it and I texted them in the group chat like, well, this is starting off with a bang. <laughs> it's nuts. It's 
it's very, you know what it almost reminds me of? So, my mom and I watch a lot of Lifetime movies. It's very Lifetime. Yeah, and I read my mom the back of the book, and she's like, that's a Lifetime movie. I was like, exactly. It should be made into one. It honestly should. So, yeah. Verity is a book. If you read it late at night, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to read it late at night and then have weird dreams. Or you do, you end up doing what I did. You read it and you stay up till 1 o'clock finishing it. And then you stay up till 3 o'clock because you can't sleep because all you can do is think about it. So don't read it at night. <laughs> well, I can't, well, I can't read it at night tonight because i got to go to work tomorrow. So I can't read anything at night. I get up at 5 a.m. for work. If it's a book that's, like, not scary, then yeah, I can read it at night. But other than that, I can't. Or, I could, I read House of Salt and Sorrows at night, and oof. a big mistake. It makes it hard to go to sleep. Like, that one, I read it late at night. Though, just, like, the first two chapters. And I was sufficiently freaked out. I was convinced somebody was outside my window. <laughs> I couldn't, do, I couldn't go to sleep. But it was no worse. Well... Then there was an episode the week before last, another Nancy Drew episode. Hello. Freaking scary TV show. Um, there was a monster that, like, stood up. Like, Ew. broke its bones to stand up in the woods. And you know what it looked like? It looked like what I imagine a Dementor to look like. Robeless. And all white. It was terrifying. And then it crawled away. You want to know how it crawled away? It bent backwards and crawled on its hands and knees, like, backwards, like crab crawl. Ew! And I was going, (laughs) I spent the entire scene of that whole thing, like, growling and everything. I spent the whole scene going, what is that? What is that? I was literally the Cardi B. What is that? Oh, my God, what is that? That was me. I was screaming. Ugh. Well, we're watching a... well, we're currently, wa- we're almost done with it. We're currently watching Lost, and there's, like, a giant smoke monster that's, that sounds like a machine, and so... Labette? Did you have it done? <laughs> huh? Labette, did you have it done? No. This is a smoke monster. Not that big and... Not that big, but, um... Yeah, that was creepy, too. Uh, I'll never forget when it ran out of the warehouse, and I was like, Mm-mm. I was like, Mm-mm. I literally looked at the screen, I was like, what is that? That was the moment I stood up and turned the lights on. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like a, it almost sounds, the smoke monster sounds like a, it sounds like a transformer, which is weird, but I had dreams, I have dreams about it, and I'm just like, nope. <laughs> I don't want to hear something clicking and whirling around in the woods. It's not like the, at least it ain't like the clickers from The Last of Us. Well, I got screwed over by a TikTok one night. Oh no. I was filtering through. And this person was talking about, um, skinwalkers. And it was playing a sound of one, like, screaming in the field. I said, nah, I didn't need this right before bed. They're creepy. They're and speaking as two people that live right across from a cornfield, not preferable to see before going to sleep. Living across a cornfield, and then there's me, who lit, who our house is in front of a bunch of woods, so we hear lots. Well, there was the night, I'll never forget, it was storming, 
the night that season three of Stranger Things was coming on. And, no, it wasn't season three, it was season two. Yes. Um, the night that season two premiered, and I watched it, and it was storming, and I watched it in here, and I looked out the window, and the corn was, like, blowing, and I was like, you know, this is kind of the worst. This is really, like, I'm convinced the Demogorgon's about to come out right here. Demodogs is what it was that season. We've not talked about books once. Okay. <laughs> um, well, we've talked about our currently reading. Anyways. So, moving into today's topic, <laughs> Carmen's going to have a heck of a time editing this episode. Um, I'll just leave it all in. Th- this episode's for the Swifties and for the... Um, what else did we talk about? For what? Exactly. <laughs> um, anyways, so... Moving to today's topic of discussion, the dystopian genre. So, like I said, this is my favorite genre. This is the genre that grew I grew up on. This is the genre, the genre that we all pretty much grew up on. Yeah, this is the genre the that got hit. me. This is the genre that got me into reading. Um, yeah, it's just a great genre. This is the genre that involved like my favorite ever fictional characters in this genre. My favorite ever. Uh, fictional couples in this genre, you know, just all the way around positivity. Um, <clears throat> so the first one on our list is The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins, my personal favorite. I I call I I to call Hunger Games a lot. That it is the uh, it is the dystopian book. Like you've like everybody knows about it. Yeah. I feel like if you think of dystopian, you think of The Hunger Games. Yeah, that's usually whenever I think of the dystopian genre or whenever someone mentions the dystopian genre, The Hunger Games comes to mind because it's just... It's a phenomenon. It was such an influence. I guess it was like such an influence on the dystopian genre. And also, it has probably one of the best adaptations. It's the best. Adaptation. I take that back. It is the best. Not one of book it's to the movie best. book to movie adaptation for three consecutive movies. Well, four. Um, <laughs> four. And fixing to be fifth. Fixing to be number five with the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I'm really excited to read I that one. Can't wait for the movie. I'm gonna punch a hole in the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna spend the whole time just like yelling at President Snow. You suck. Oh. Um. Yeah. I, so I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, The Hunger Games was my entire personality in school. Um, hair on the side braid, I've got the pin, I had a leather jacket, I had combat boots, I went to each movie dressed as such, um, I will be going to Battle of Songbirds and Snakes dressed as such. Yeah. I apologize in advance. Um, and I'm hoping I'm not going to be the only one. Like, I'm really looking for people my age to be like, yeah, let's bring it back. So, yeah. Um, I freaking love this book series. So, if you haven't read it, basically, it's in a... So, d- the dystopian genre, just for anybody that doesn't know... Um, the dystopian genre is basically supposed to be, like, our current world in the very far future. 
um, and how it's developed in the future. And, like, people have different aspects of what they think will happen. One of the books we're going to talk about today involves, like, an apocalypse situation. Um, well, two of them, I guess. And then this one involves just, like, kind of an apocalypse, but I guess more so, like, this one was population control, um, and it's just North America. Um, so, The Hunger Games, um, involves, it's called the, um, it's called Pan Am, is what North America is renamed into, is Pan Am, and, um, different parts of North, of Pan Am are split up into districts, so there's 12 districts total, used to be 13, wink wink, um, used to be 13, um, but the 13th district got destroyed because they tried to rebel against the capital and the capital is basically the governing district it's where the president is it's where all the um officials are people that make the rules people make the laws it's also where all the rich people live ow (laughs) um it's where all the rich people live um so each district also has a certain role um our main character katniss comes from district 12 their role is mining so there's logging, fishing, mining, um, textiles, uh, building things with metal. Just there's all kinds of different things. Um, so every year there's these things called the Hunger Games, where they take one female and one male from each district to compete in the Hunger Games, and only one can be the victor. And whoever is the victor gets all the riches and gets to live kind of the capital lifestyle. Um, and that said boy and girl from each district is pulled out of a, like their name is pulled out of like a, like a giant bowl and it's called the reaping. Um, and so they don't have a choice. Uh, so in this book, Katniss's little sister gets her name called and basically anybody can volunteer to be a tribute and nobody's volunteered to be a tribute in district 12 for a very 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 long time um but when Katniss's sister gets called she volunteers for her sister and goes in her place and she goes off with my man Peter that beautiful blonde boy for beautiful blonde boys okay sorry that was a star kid reference um so (laughs) He gets his name called, um, and they end up going off together. And they have to go through, like, a series of events. Like, there's this whole, like, interview thing where they're supposed to dress up. They have to train. They get ranked based on their trainings. Um, While they're in the actual games, they can be sent gifts. So the point of the trainings is you want to get a high score, so you get sponsors, and they send you stuff. So, like, at one point, somebody sends Katniss some soup. Somebody sends her ointment help her burn different stuff as such and then the series continues on from there anyways that was the briefest description i could give um but it's a fantastic book i freaking love the hunger games um i think it's an interesting way of dystopian i think that it you know it's our world just more developed and like if we no longer were a democracy which funny that that (laughs) you know kind of getting less and less choices on things women are getting less and less choices on things so you know 
I will get there one day. <laughs> you know, I'm going down swinging. Anyways, thoughts on the hurricane? Um, yeah, I think it's a fantastic dystopian. The world is just so unique in with how it, their version of population control is, I want to say unhealthy. Unhealthy, <laughs> and not and a, and a, Unhealthy and abuse of power, very well, cruel. I think to a point of they should at least allow people to like volunteer, and maybe the ages should be different. So they basically run it from twelve to eighteen. So you have children. Yeah, that's where you you see the red flags start to come out. Well, and it also depends on the districts. So districts one and two will actively volunteer to be tribute. They will fight each other to be volunteers because that's what they do. And they're known as the the factions. They're known as the districts that win. They usually win the games. Um, Somebody from one of those two districts will win a lot. Um, They're usually raised, raised to fight. They're trained for the games they're ready to go when it comes time. So, it really just depends on the district. Yeah, you've pretty much got, like, districts 1 and 2, which are very much, like, upper class, elite, and then you have district 12, which is, like, the slums. The slums, the actual slums. They're very, very poor in district 12. Um, Katniss actually hunts secretly to sell squirrels and deer and birds and fish and stuff to the black market. Um, but you're not supposed to go beyond the fence line. That's where she goes to hunt, so she does it in secret. It's a whole thing. Um, but it's very, very good. I think it's, like, the original. If I think of, if somebody said to me, love triangle, I'm gonna think of Katniss, Peta, and Gail. Was it really ever a competition? I don't think so, but, you know, um, it's the one I think of. I mean, they have the... Yeah, I think what made... Either them or Edward, Bella, and Jacob... It goes one of two ways. Dear Lord. Um, when I think... I think what made Hunger Games work so well and why everybody loves it is not only the world building. The characters are really really fleshed out. Well, and I'm here to say, too, I think that the casting was so great because, like, would the Hunger Games have been a, as big as it is without... I mean, look at our leading lady... Jennifer Lawrence. I freaking love her. I will watch anything that she's in. And she's a phenomenal actress. I mean, her Oscars speak for themselves. But, like, you got her. You've got um, Elizabeth Banks. You've got Josh Hutcherson. Liam Hemsworth. Um, I can't think of his name. Hey, Mitch. Oh, jeez. I want to say Woody Allen, but I also want to think that's the wrong name. That might be the wrong actor. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at the cast. Um, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Whew. Wrong Woody. Okay. Woody, I was like, I know Woody Allen's not correct. Um, Woody R- Harrelson. And then you've got Lenny Kravitz. Hello. And uh, Donald. I, can't, I cannot watch Donald Sutherland in anything else because of this role. Like any, if I see him in any other movie, I immediately nope, can't do it. Because he, he makes plays president. he nope. makes such a good villain. It's always, but I feel like it's the people people who are like the nicest people play like the best villains. He's the worst. And I don't like. Him. Oh, then we can't forget old Sam Claflin, Finnick. 
Um, well, that's the second one. But, yeah. Um, it, the list goes on from there based on the other movies. But... Oh, yeah. That cast is just so phenomenal. And, anyways. The Hunger Games, 10 out of 10. Love it. Um, anytime I think of dystopian, that's the book I think of. Moving on. Divergent. By Veronica Roth. We have a love-hate relationship with this book series. The first book, very, very good. 10 out of 10. The second book... Six out of ten. It was alright. Maybe five. The um, last book, about a one. Um, <laughs> I didn't even finish it. I did. Um, I know and I happens, also I and I also read the. I also read four, which is about which is basically. Why? Well, it's just I don't know. It's basically divergent from his point of view. Um, Boring. Yeah, it wasn't that good. Um. Here's what frustrates me about Divergent. It's just like the premise is cool. Yeah. Like you've got all these different factions who will do all these different things and you take a test to see which faction you belong to. Well, and really you could even say you're split up. I mean, I know there's not nine of them, but you're basically split up depending on what your personality type and your Enneagram is, essentially. There's, they're going to help with that. There's Erudite, which is the smart ones. Mm -hmm. There's Candor. They're very honest. Yes. There's Amity is the nice ones. Abnegation. Abnegation is the selfless ones. And then Dauntless. And Dauntless is the brave ones. Yes. So, to me, Amity and Abnegation always kind of went hand in hand, in my opinion. I feel like they were, I feel like they technically could have meshed into one. Because they were and so... And and Erudite. Yeah, those two could have... Those factions could have meshed together. Dauntless, I don't think, is kind of just off on its own. But what did Candor do? I feel like they had something to do with law. They did... Yes, that's what it was. They did law. I was about to say, I know they did something. So Erudite was very... The smart ones, they kind of handled, like, anything technical, anything, like... They were IT. They were the IT. Um... <laughs> Candor was the law enforcers. Amity was... They grew things, didn't they? Yeah, they kind of remind were farming. me... farming. Farmers, boho. Like, yeah. That's what they reminded um, me of. Dauntless was the soldiers. They were, like, the the brute force. And then Abnegation, they helped, like, the homeless. And I think that's about Good it. Good Samaritans. Yeah. Um, they didn't have mirrors. It was the whole thing of, like, you don't want to look in a mirror. That would... Nah, I'm out. Like, immediately chained into a different faction. And then if you didn't choose a faction, or if you got kicked out of your faction, you were factionless. And you did not want to be factionless. That was the homeless people. And then you've got Once some... Once you're out, you never get back in. But then you've got some people who, they could belong in a couple different factions. Or you've got some that can belong in all factions. So... When they take the test, the yes. test tells them what faction they would best fit. But they can choose any faction. The test is just meant to help them decide, like, I would fit best here. Kind of serves as a reference guide. Yeah. So, like, say I took the test. Maybe it tells me Amity, but I really want to be an Erudite. I can still choose Erudite. The test is just to tell you, like, where you best fit in. Um, And so everyone gets sorted like in the test you get one faction well our main character Triss 
Turns out she's divergent. She doesn't fit in one faction. And that divergents are like no go. Like they're basically I don't think they ever outright mention it, but they're basically killed if they're divergent. Yes, I think well, it's if they find if they find out you're divergent, you're you're gone. Kicked in the caboodle. Yes. Um, so Triss is divergent, so she ends up choosing she's abnegation and she's just dauntless, like the exact opposite. And I've <laughs> always kind of been like, you know, I look back on that and I'm like, really? That's what you chose. <laughs> you should have chosen Amity. Like, it's a bit of a scratch. And if not for four, you would be dead. Or factionless. I mean. Yeah, so that's true. So then they have to take these trials. So so she chooses Dauntless. She has to go through these trials. With Dauntless, you're not in and that's it. Like, they do several tests to make sure you can actually fit in Dauntless because they're the the force group they're the soldiers they're the army and um, there's a ranking system yes. like you can either rise through the ranks or you can fall through the ranks and, and if you're fail. below that line you're kicked out and you're factionless so she goes through all these different tests and trials and whatnot and learning how to get through the trials without showing that she's divergent and you know four is in there and i love theo james so i'm it's a- it just stinks that we love Theo James, but we just don't like the movies. The movies were trash, and I, I hate that they were trash, because Shailene Woodley is a phenomenal actress. Here's the thing. The so, f- she got the raw end of the deal. The first Divergent movie... It's not her fault. It's not the acting. It's the freaking plots, because they went so far off book. The first Divergent movie was good. Like, it was fine. Like, it was... It was pretty close with the books. I wouldn't say it was... It was about an eight and a half. Yeah, it wasn't like The Hunger Games. It wasn't. Just... No, but they did a good job. The second one good... was. Oh. The second one, I have no. I don't remember much of the. I don't remember the plot at all from Insurgent. I don't know what hole they pulled that plot from. I don't know because when I watched, I will be honest. When we watched the trailer when it came out in the, when it was in theaters, I was like, "What is the dang box? I don't know where that came from." Still never quite figured it out. Also, why was she alive? I don't know, but that book was bo- I don't know. The second movie was bad, and the second book was boring. I don't remember. The second one was really boring. The third book was even more boring. You didn't even <laughs> And I didn't even get halfway through before I quit. I think Carly and I both read it. Carly finished it, and then she told me what happens, because I quit. Her and I were reading them at the same time, and then when I quit, I said, finish it and let me know what happens. She flew through those books, too. She read those pretty fast. I just hate because the cast was so phenomenal and the books, or the movies just flopped. And the books even really flopped. So, like, I can't read anything else by her because, because she, I'm nervous that she's going to kill off the main character. Well, the reason it flopped is because Veronica Roth probably committed one of the biggest sins in writing logic, which is killing off your main character. Which, I will say, you can kill off your main character if it works for the story. Tris died. I feel like Tris died for no reason. She did. It was a pointless death. She definitely it was one of those moments where you're like, you could have lived. <gasps> you could leave. You don't have to stay in here with that. You could live. You don't have to blow yourself up. And yeah, I'll tell you, I'll yeah, tell you how bad it was. They made Allegiant Part One. They were trying to pull a Harry Potter and make the last book into two well, parts. Well, it's not even really a Harry Potter. Hunger Games did it. Twilight did it. I know, but it worked. 
but they look at any movie series now. Endgame was Infinity War and Endgame. Everyone's splitting the last into two books or into two movies. That's just the thing now. I just feel like Allegiant. I feel like for me, Allegiant shouldn't have been split. It could have been one movie and been fine. It could have been, but nobody's gonna do that. Everybody's gonna split things up. I mean, when Percy Jackson, if Percy Jackson would have continued to the movies, the last one would have been split into two parts. I guarantee you. Yeah, but um, after, after's getting split. Okay, look up there. Look at after ever happy. Mm-hmm. Now you're gonna tell me that those first three books were one movie, and they're splitting that fourth one into two. That's the smallest one. <laughs> it's half the size of the others, and you're splitting that into two parts. We should have split after we fell into two parts. Yeah. But they didn't do that. Anyways, but here we are. Um. Now I will say though, <laughs> I rented Allegiant Part One from Redbox. I watched all of them. They were trash, but I only. Them. I didn't make it all the way through Allegiant Part 1 because it was that bad. I just stuck around for Bill Skarsgård. Of course. But, you know I what's sad? I wanted to see how far Part 1 went. But you know what's sad? They didn't even finish it. <laughs> because it was that bad. I was stupid. It's just sad. Um, I had one of her other... I had the I, first book in her other series and I so didn't read it. So this book, they did it... So it's all based in Chicago, too. So I think yeah. it's meant to be like the rest of the world has died off and everybody ran to Chicago and Chicago's all that's left, right? I guess so. Because all the factions are in Chicago. I mean, at one point do they we get know, out. Do we know why the rest of the world died off? I assume there was a apocalypse situation. Probably not an apocalypse. I think it was like a bombing. I want to look this up and see. <laughs> Why is Divergent the way it is? <laughs> it's the Toby of the bookshelf. Why are you the way you are? But I know what happens with the rest of these, but I don't know what happens with that. Um, that's giving me what happened in the movies. <laughs> well, it's not a big deal. Um, if you find it. So the next one on our list is Maze Runner. Uh, by, is it James Dash? James Dashner. Dashner? Now, this was my stuff. I no, love this. This is another Runner. one that I didn't finish. I read the first and second one. I never read the third one. But the movies were fantastic. I read... They didn't split that one into two parts. I wonder why. No. Well, I think they were kind of running low on viewers. So they did the <laughs> smart thing and made it into one movie and got in and got out. <laughs> yeah, I read... The first three, I read Maze Runner, Scourge, Trials, and Death Cure, and he has a prequel series that start, and I started reading The Kill Order, and I don't think I ever finished it, because I wasn't really interested in the prequel. All I know is that when we went to see the third movie, I looked at the vehicle that Dylan O'Brien's character, Thomas, that he jumps off of onto the train, and I wanted to scream at the screen, you're the reason, you're the whole reason he's not in season six of Teen Wolf. Yeah, so, there was that. But these books, um, I really enjoyed the first one. I think it was an interesting touch. So this one, the future has been taken over by these things. It's called Sunscorch, I believe. Right? Sunscorch. They're kind of like zombies. Well, so there was like only so many people in the world are immune to it. Um, but there's these things. They're they're they've been sunscorched. They turn into zombies, whatnot. Um, but anyways, the first book, 
Um, Thomas wakes up inside of a maze, and you can't get out of the maze. Um, people have been running the maze for months. Can't get out. Um, the maze changes every night, and there's this thing in the maze called Grievers. Um, now, each night, at a certain time, the walls of the maze will close, leaving only the middle part, which is just big pasture area, and that's where they all live, and then at a certain time in the morning, the walls open back up, and they can go run the maze, and the grievers only come out at night. Well, eventually Thomas becomes a runner, and he goes in the maze, and da-da-da-da, a griever is out during the day, and that's no good. Um, somebody gets stung and then they find out that if you get stung you get all your memories back and then you die so that's <laughs> nice um and then so that in the maze is all boys well one day a girl arrives and as these as they're arriving in the maze like over time they like as someone arrives they have no memory of anything before coming up in the elevator shaft mm -hmm. Um, and it's, so that was a big thing. And it's said that the girl, Teresa, is the last one to come into the maze. Yes. So then they're like, well, that's the last, it's the last elevator. So every time, every, once a month, the elevator will come up, it'll bring a new person and it'll bring supplies. Well, that's the last elevator being sent. So then they're like, well, we have no more supplies coming. So we need to figure a way out of the maze. Um... And so they end up mapping out the maze and figuring it a way out. And also, then it continues on. Also, apparently, Teresa and Thomas can communicate with each other telepathically. Yes, and I, they never did that in the movies. And I was like, I understand why. That because would be it would just be a lot of them staring at each other. I Did they, they ever explain how it? that came to pass? Because I don't know how that started. I don't know. The fantasy brain of me goes, they're mates. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not that world. Um... So, sidetracking back to Divergent, and then we can go back to Maze Runner. So, I, it took me a minute. Apparently, it says that human genetic modification caused a nuclear apocalypse. So, technically, okay. you were right. right. Goody, goody. <laughs> um, so, also, um, they come to find out that all of them are immune to the sun scorch, and that's why they've been put in the maze. And there are multiple mazes with other groups of people and they're basically putting them through a test because they need the best of the best to get out so that they can test them to figure out how to cure everyone else. That's the situation as we know it. I won't give too much away. Um, but it's good. I mean... I loved the first movie. I'm just going to go ahead and say like the books weren't among my favorites. Dylan O'Brien saved it for me um, <laughs> because I loved a big Teen Wolf fan, and I was when those movies came out, and I was like, you know, let me go see Styles and something else. Um, now he's in this new movie, and I need to see it. Maximum Truth. Have you seen all these like clips from that movie that he's in? Mm -mm. He, somebody like he's literally the. Um, I'm trying to think how to say it. Also, don't forget his the character he is in it is literally Styles, but he can cuss. <laughs> Is quite literally what's happening. Also, we can't forget Newt. My heart. I love him. And bid thee farewell. The girl that was sobbing like she lost a limb in the theater. 
she really lost a family member that day. Like, she was sobbing over him. I know. Like, full tears. Of course, you know, I cannot, I can no longer judge her because I also sobbed whenever Rue died and I also sobbed whenever uh. Prim died. So I cried when can when I judge? Brit, no. When Prim died, I was more like I didn't cry. I was more shocked than anything. I was literally like, "What just happened?" I mean, I literally was like, "What movie are we watching?" I can't blame her now. Also, we get I cried in um. May you remember? Oh gosh, who was it? Major that we all that we all love, Chuck. Yeah, see, I, I never more sad. really got a test yet. I just don't like when kids die, so that was really sad. I was more sad about, about Thomas's reaction. I was more connected and attached to Frypan than anyone. I was yes! like, if this boy don't make it out. I loved him. He was awesome. Um, First of all, when you have a name like Frypan, <laughs> there's Will Poulter, so you know. Galley. He just... When he popped out in the third... massive glow-ups. When he popped out in the third movie, I was like... Yes. <laughs> he just had a lot of glow-ups, and he looks great now. God. Somebody showed a video of him doing a photo shoot recently. Wow. Okay. Anyways. Um, I just couldn't take him seriously in Guardians 3, because when he played Adam Warlock, I was like, He looks so Gally! good. Gally! <laughs> what are he you doing so here? Good. He's getting some muscles. <laughs> muscles. <laughs> Any last stories about Maze Runner? Um... I think it was a, I think it's a very cool premise. I don't remember much from the books. (laughs) I definitely want to give a reread. I will say though, the first book was, let's say it was a decent adaptation of the books. They did cut, they cut some stuff out, I guess, for just for plot reasons. Well, and the Gravers were different than the books. I couldn't the really... The were not what... But to be honest, like, I when I was reading the book, I couldn't picture what it looked like. Uh-uh. Head. So, like, when Either. they showed it to me in the movie, I was like, okay, okay. that's fine. <laughs> sure. I'll take it. Sounds good. They're just as creepy. Looks great. Um, Scorch Trials? Honestly, though, I don't I think don't I pictured them to be that mechanical in my head when I uh, did try to picture them. I kind of pictured them more like giant spiders. Fleshy? <laughs> If that's a word, I don't know. I don't. It was a. It's a very hard book to picture in your head because yeah, even just like the maze situation, you're trying to picture what it looks like when like when him and Mino are running and the walls are falling. Like I was like, okay, but where are they at? Where is Thomas at when that wall falls? Like it was hard to picture that. Yeah. So the movie helped with stuff like that. Um, although I will say, I believe the Death Cure book and the movie, I think they are a little bit different. From what I think I can remember. So I feel like in the book, Thomas was separated from everybody. Like, he was all alone. I just... I don't know. I think those books, like, they... They took me for a whirlwind. I was not expecting her to die at the end. I was like... What? (laughs) Yeah. I kind of thought... Because she redeemed herself. And then you were like, okay, so she's just going to come back with them and then... Nosh, there she goes. So Down she goes. And you're surprise. just like. Well, she's right. dead. She's fractured. So I don't, even, I don't even remember how it ends. They're on that island. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's been a while since I've it read It kind of almost movies. had the same ending as A Quiet Place Part 2. You, you don't know. 
We need to give Maze well, Runner. Well, they both ended on an island. We need to give we Maze Runner. Chilling out. We need to give Maze Runner a rewatch. I kind of want to watch those movies again. Just, um, yeah. So we should do that after Good Books after Teen Wolf. Very apocalyptic version of dystopia. Yeah, like the whole world is like almost like a desert. <laughs> um. So the next three books that we have, we're gonna talk to them pretty quickly because there's not really much. Hallie hasn't read two of them and then the other one we've both read but we're going to reread and I don't remember anything from it. I didn't even finish it. Okay. <laughs> the last one. So quick mentions. Um, we have The 100 by Cass Morgan. This is the books based on the TV show and yes I said that correctly. I, The books were coming out after the show was already like aired so she wrote the books. I don't know if the first one came out first but I remember, like, the first one came out, and I remember actively waiting on the other books to come out while watching the show. Um, so this one's very dystopian. It's basically this nuclear situation happens, and the whole Earth... Basically, global warming was not their friend, um, and the whole Earth gets, like, fried. Um, and so the people that can get off get into, like, spaceships and go to space. Um, and eventually a bunch of the little space stations are running out of things. Um, and it's from different parts of the world, so they all combine to form what is called the Ark. So it's one big space station. Um, and when the book picks up, it picks up with our main character, Clark, who is in the prison unit. Um... And she's told she is being sent to Earth. Um, so basically they found out that the Earth would be habitable again in 100 years. And it has reached like the, I think it's like the 98 year mark or something. Like it's very close to the 100 year mark. It's not there yet. But basically the Ark is running out of air. And the population, like there's too many people, not enough oxygen. And they can't really repair it. So they've got to find out now, can we go to Earth? So they send a hundred prisoners to the Earth. Thus, it's called the One Hundred. Um, and also, I should mention, while they're on the Ark, they do have population control as far as like you're only allowed one kid, and you have to get permission to have that one kid. And like, there's different kind of like the like the districts. They're different parts of the ship, and like based off where you live, like you do a certain job. Um. And so, uh, there's that. But basically, they've, they've said, we're running out of air. It's either kill off a bunch of people or send these prisoners to Earth. So, they send all these, like, teenager prisoners to Earth. Clark is amongst them, along with Bellamy, uh, Wells, and Octavia. My favorite character from the TV show. Um, not my favorite character in the books. She's completely different in the books. Um, so Bellamy and Octavia are brother and sister, and the reason that Octavia was among the prisoners is because, like I said, they're only supposed to have one kid, and so when they found her, they found out that his mom had had another kid, they put her in prison. Not sure why you put the kid in prison, but okay. Um, and then Bellamy snuck on board so he could go to Earth with his sister. Um, I love Bellamy. Mm -hmm. I love Bellamy. Um... So basically they go to Earth and they have to figure out how to survive on Earth because the GPS coordinates went out 
when they were coming into the Earth's atmosphere and things got fried up. So they landed not in the correct space. Um, there was this place that they were supposed to land, which would have an underground bunker and supplies, and it was said that there might be people there that may have survived all these years. Um, but they landed in the wrong place, so they basically have to learn how to survive on their own. And there's these things called grounders, which are people who survived the nuclear situation and have been living on Earth for the past 100 years, and they're basically like warriors. Like, they have the face paint, and they fight with bows and arrows and staffs, and they ride horses, and, like, it's this whole thing. Um, and there's certain animals, too. Like, at one point, they see a two-headed deer, stuff like that. Um, but it's so good. The most infuriating thing to ever exist is the fact that Bellamy and Clark are together in the books, and they're not together in the TV show. I will never get over that. Um, that is the actual worst, and I really want to hunt down the people who created the TV show and the script writers and want to ask them why. <laughs> Just why did we never put them together in the and show? And aren't the actors like... They're married and they have a kid in real life, and they got married right after the show ended, and I'm like, you can't say they didn't have chemistry. I mean, hello. People were fighting for them to be together in the show for years. I was amongst them because they were... Right on the verge. They were this close. Oh, they were so close to being together because they kept, one of them would get in a relationship. But they were, there was just vibes. You felt the vibes. It was wonderful. But they would always say too, like, at one point, Octavia would always make remarks of like, well, you would if it was Clark, or you would if it was Bellamy. And so they just like, everyone knows. Everyone knows. Um... But it's a good book series. I think if you're looking for it to match the show, if you're a fan of the show, don't get your hopes up. The book series, the first book is quite similar, but then the third, the other three books spin off in their own direction, which is quite nice, I think, um, since they did come out after the show, that it took a different direction. Um, but it is really interesting. The books aren't as good as the show, though, I will say. Um, the next one is Dustlands by Moira Young. I freaking love this trilogy. I ride or die by this trilogy. Um, so this is another dystopian. I don't think anything specifically is ever mentioned of what happened. I think it's just, like, way far in the future. Um, because at one point she stumbles across these, like, she stumbles across old helicopters. And they're called, like... Th those old man machines like they don't know what things are called anymore basically the world went to crap some way somehow i guess there was a war they never really say it's that far in the future that they don't say let's just say it was a war um so you're following your main character saba um her and her twin brother lou are very close obviously and they have a little sister emmy um one day lou is taken and saba and emmy go after to rescue him. And along the way, Saba ends up kidnapped. Well, Saba and Emmy, Emmy end up kidnapped and taken to this place called Hopetown. And Saba is entered into like a fighting arena situation where she has to stay there. She has to shave her head. They, well, they shave, you can, you have the option, but they, the people who kidnapped her and now own her, shave her head so that her hair won't get pulled and so she won't have any weaknesses. The whole thing. Um, so she fights in that arena. Um, she eventually breaks out and she meets a man named Jack, 
whom I love. Um, and these people called the um, Freedom Fighters. I think I'm wrong. Um, but there, it's this group of women that are warriors. Um, and so along with all their help, they go after Lou and some other crazy stuff happens. But it's very, very good. Um, very dystopian. The only thing I would say about it is the writing is very different from any other book that you will ever read. Um, if you've read Harry Potter, it's basically the way that Hagrid's dialogue is written is how the whole book is. <laughs> it's very backhand. If you're from a southern state, I hear your father. Um, if you're from a southern state, you will read it quite easily. As someone from Tennessee, I got through it quite easily. Um, it's very backhand, very, like, ain't. Ain't no way. Yeah, different stuff like that. Um, Basically, we kind of just wanted to go over the genre and our favorite books in the genre. Um, and, like, <clears throat> this is why I love dystopian is that there's so many different ways to do it. I understand there's multiple different ways to do fantasy, even though majority right now is fae. Um, there's so many different ways you can do that. But dystopian also has layers because we know it's set in the future, but what happened to get us there? You know? So, you have apocalypses, you have war, nuclear warfare, you have population control, all sorts of stuff. Um, so, it's interesting. And that's why I'm very excited about The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes because it gave you a look into, like, this is how things got started. This is why they are the way that they are. So, I'm excited for you to read it. Um, yeah, I am too, because the trailer looks so good. <sighs> so good. I'm so excited that Hunter Schaefer's in it. She's, like, the only person I could... Like, when I found out she's playing Tigress, I'm like, yep, that feels right. She's and the only person I could Peter picture Dink playing Tigress. Peter Dinklage is... I love him. When I saw that he was in it, I was like, I was like he better Viola be playing Davis. some... I was like, he better be playing somebody important. Yeah. There's nobody else I could picture playing Lucy, and there's nobody else I could picture playing Tigress. So they're perfect. I love who they picked for who's who's playing Lucy because I love Rachel Zegler. I do too. What's she has such a phenomenal. So she has such a good voice. She sings in it too because she sings in the book. Um, what's that story was so good, mm-hmm. but I'm really conflicted <laughs> because the guy playing President Snow is very good looking and I don't want to like him because he's President Snow and he sucks. He's the worst human. Anyways, um, that kind of wraps up our dystopian discussion. Um, so yeah, just kind of general thoughts on the dystopian genre and our favorite books in the genre. So we are going to play a game now. And we've played this one before, so this is going to be most likely. But we're doing the dystopian edition. So, I've got three, and Hallie's got three? Yes. Okay. Um, I just guessed I that we would to tell you three. I, t- I was going to ask you, and then I was like, I, so I thought we did three. Well, any more than that, and it gets long. Um, so, I'll ask her one, she'll ask me one, I'll ask her one, she'll ask me one, I'll ask her one, and then she'll ask me one. So, back and forth. Um, and basically the premise is not which character would most likely, but which of us would most likely. And so our most likely situations are dystopian themed. So would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I will go first. 
And think about these while you're listening. Think which one you would do. Okay. Who's most likely to start a revolution? Oh my god, that's what's in mine too. Okay, we can both answer it. Um, most likely to start a revolution. Just among us? Yeah. 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 Yeah
So... See, bugs, yes, I will conquer. But I'm thinking, like, an actual monster? No, I'm out. What about a ghost? <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'll see you later. I've got I'll the, move. I've got the exorcism on my laptop. I w- I'll send you in to take care of it. Carmen, I'm moving. Carmen, I watch enough paranormal videos. I think... <laughs> I think we'd be safe. I'll help, but the flashlight will not be very steady. <laughs> we'll be I'm like, uh, who is it? I'm Shaggy, your friend. <laughs> that just makes it. Who's Sam- Belma? Sa- Sammy Scooby. <gasps> Sammy and I are Shaggy and Scooby. You're either Velma or Fred. I'm probably Velma. Probably Velma. My glasses. <laughs> my glasses. Of course, I have contacts. So my okay. That was my answer for that. That's what I, I was thinking about you. I would run. <laughs> See you later. Um, okay. This is kind of a Mage Runner-inspired one. Who was most likely to be a runner? <laughs> you. And <laughs> hang on me, me. Can you insert I'll be in the kitchen with fry pan. <laughs> insert your TikTok that you did with Cassidy. Uh, bruh, she's a runner. She's a track star. No, yeah, no, I was very out of shape for that TikTok. Now, what if it? Now and Cassidy and I got done with that TikTok. We did that four times, four full takes. We got done, and both of us are going. Like, now, granted, if I, I probably would be a runner, considering I can do. Your hips would hurt. Waltz of this, uh, both of my hips would hurt. Waltz of this. I would do it if I. I'll tell you how I would be a runner. Here's an example for you. So it was our last day at the beach, and Mimi lost her hat, like it flew off her head. And boy, when I tell you, I sprinted out of that chair, and I, I literally sprinted. I went so fast. I could technically be a runner. I told Dad. I told Dad. I said. If I was ever in, like, softball, I'd probably be a pinch runner. <laughs> I would be the runner if it was the situation like I described, running from the monster. Now, what if it... I'll now be what so if, fast. Now, what if your partner was Thomas? Would you still be a runner? <laughs> I guess it does depend on the partner. <laughs> Thomas, I'm so tired. Hold me. Me and Mina would be like, Raisha! <laughs> be like, I'm so tired. Hold me. Who gets... Get back to the gate first. I'm wins. gonna pass out. Hold me. <laughs> Yeah. It depends on the partner. That's a good point. Alright. Um, who's most likely to get stuck in a love triangle? <laughs> Why does my first mind go to Carly? <laughs> I was gonna say, excluding Carly. <laughs> um, Just between us. I would say... Depends on the person, the the the, the, the two people. Um, I'm gonna say you. Oh my gosh! I I feel like it would. I be feel me, like with me, I, feel I like would, it be would be looking, my luck. I would be looking for the red flags in the other person and be like, I choose this one. Well, I am really bad about picking red flags too, but like my it would be my luck to be like, well, they're both great, so I don't know. I would love to be in that situation, though. That would be a nice situation to be in. It would be a nice problem to have. Um, so, that was our episode. Ta-da, ta-da! Um, we hope you guys enjoyed, you know, this rant. Um, the long Taylor Swift rant. Yes. Hopefully you enjoyed the, um, 
the uh, the coming attractions, as you will. It was the previews before the actual show. Um, so yeah, a lot of that's probably going to be edited out, so some of you may not know what the heck we're talking about. But we had a Taylor Swift rant at the beginning, if that gets edited out, in case you're interested. Um, I may just leave it in there. Who cares? But we hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Next week we will be taking a break. Um, I'm going to be gone all this weekend and all of next week. Well, so, it kind of makes sense for us to skip because I'll be gone this weekend. Well, nobody would be... Nobody would be here. <laughs> I usually edit the podcast, and so I wouldn't be here to edit it for it to be posted. Well... So even if Hallie did a solo episode, I wouldn't be here to edit it, so... Yeah, because you're going to be gone to the Beyonce concert. Yes, I go to Beyonce this weekend, and we're gone all weekend in Nashville, and then next week I'm gone to uh, camp. Yeah, and we'll be gone. And since y'all will be gone all weekend, mom, dad, and I are going to be taking a trip somewhere. We're either going to go see somebody or we're going to go to Atlanta and go to the Georgia Aquarium. <laughs> but either way, we're going to be out. So we're taking a break next week. Um, but when we come back, we'll have a brand new episode for you the next week. We don't know what we're going to do for that one, but we'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to this week's episode. And be sure to rate us five stars. You know, give us a follow on the socials below, including our show socials as well as our personal socials. Um, and leave any comments or questions below or in the latest Instagram posts. And we will see you guys in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.